Hello and welcome to the Court Games L5R LCG podcast with me, your host, Finbar, Steelfur. And this is German Cuba, aka Kiki Onimaru. Yeah, nice to talk to you again, Trevor. I, I missed the last podcast, of course. Um, I was in Japan having a lot of fun for the last two weeks. Sure, just rub it in. <laughs> well, I can't help it. It was sort of trip of a lifetime. <laughs> How was Japan? Tell it. Well, you know, the food was fantastic. Uh, I went to a lot of temples. I did a lot of hiking uh, in the mountains. Uh, lots of sort of traditional food and that sort of thing. Ramen for breakfast was uh, strange but good. Did you, did you make out any places I recommended at all? I went to I went to so many places. So I started in Tokyo and then I, fit, I went down to like Hiroshima and Miyajima and then worked my way back up yeah. like through Kyoto and Himeji and um, places. Uh, let's talk about uh, our sponsors. Uh, you love this little Patreon discussion. Uh, absolutely. I love to... Uh... Pit, uh, plug our Patreon where we take these funds and we fund a number of things. Uh, I believe we fund the Discord and everything that Seabass has been trying to get, uh, our up and coming uh, website and other projects he's trying to fund. And of course, to remember that there is a monthly giveaway of something uh, Japanese themed to Patreons who have their own chat channel on the Discord. Um, so if you're interested in a monthly uh, Asian slash Japanese themed giveaway, um, you can vote what type of giveaway every month. Uh, then join the Patreon and uh, see what see what there is to offer. I'm a Patreon supporter. Can I get on this? Yes. You are you are in the channel Ooh. as well. Do I get favoritism? You won't get favoritism, but you make it pick oh, from a hat like everyone else. <laughs> Power is useless if I can't abuse it. Come on. <laughs> it's good that we uh, we want to promote uh, Fantasy Flight and the uh, the L5R products they support. Uh, I believe the cream pack is now in, available in the UK. Is this no, true? but we're optimistic that it may be arriving soon with other products that are in the UK now. Uh, there's All a right. bit of uncertainty. The cream pack. The Korean pack may or may not be showing up soon in the uh, EU shortly, maybe. Also, something that may or may not be showing up in the EU, uh, EU or the US is the first uh, Inheritance Cycle pack uh, for the Empire, which speculation is going to be available this week, so I'm sure by the time people hear this, they will know for sure if it's out So it not. is already available in Germany, and there are rumors that it's coming out in Spain next week. The one thing that hasn't been clarified is what language the pack is in. Now, we have seen the full spoilers in English, but um, whether or not the majority of Europe is receiving its uh, local language product uh, is a bit different because, of course, as we've learned with the Crane Pack, uh, the local language product is printed locally in Europe and the English language product is printed elsewhere, which is why we have a situation where Germany has the German Crane Pack, for example, but doesn't have the English one. Um, only the Netherlands, I think, has the English version of the Crane Pack and it hasn't made its way anywhere else. Um, hmm. So not really sure what's happening there. But of course, if For the Empire comes out as planned next week across the continent, it will also hopefully come to the UK sometime soon. But our major Grand Kotai has passed now last week, so you know, it's not going to have as much of an effect on us. Though hopefully a few of these packs are legal for the next big European Grand Kotai um, thing, um, event that lots of people travel to, which will be the Polish one. So there is one in Nuremberg soon, but I think the Polish one is going to get a lot of international plays because it's also held at like the European Championships and that sort of thing. Yeah, once we are done recording here, I'm going to go to my friendly local game store for my weekly game, and I'm going to see what the status of the pack is. It might be available next week. It might be available tonight. It, I might open up this pack, and all the cards are going to be printed in Portuguese. I don't know, and I wouldn't be surprised at this point. <laughs> so then, of course, hopefully, if this pack comes out, uh, we will get the next one in a month's time, and so on and so on forth, which will carry us through to December. Uh, one pack a month until the start of December which means that based on the current timings, the last two packs of the Inheritance Cycle will not be legal for Worlds. 
Yeah, and that's right. When you say one pack a month, the plan, at least as it was stated by FFG, is one clan pack, then one uh, inherited cycle pack. And that should be the back and forth up until uh, Little Bastard Worlds. And before we move on, I want to once again alert people to the Nova Open that they are proud to announce the 2019 United States uh, Little of the Five Rings Grand Championship. Joining them Thursday, the 29th, August, at the High Crystal City in Washington, D.C., the winner of the Grand Championship, previously known as the National Championships, will receive a flight and accommodations to attend the 2019 World Championship at FFG Games Center in Roseville, Minnesota. The top four will also receive invitations to attend the 2019 World Championships. As recently announced, participation in the World Championship for all FFG games are now by invitation only, so this is one of the ways that you can earn an invitation to Worlds. Also, stay tuned for additional exclusive prize announcements. You can register online at NovaOpen.com. Still unsure about the prize support, but uh, you can uh, post your questions on their website. Yeah. Maybe. Actually, you know what? I'm say that. I, <laughs> Call Sar. I, I will just take a moment to point out that this was okayed by FFG a month ago, and we still haven't heard anything about what the exclusive prizes are. Like, we have reached a point where you can't have it both ways. You can't have people ask people to pre-register for something, promising exclusive prizes. Um, without giving them a taste of what those prizes are, especially when it's within the same year that you promised stores a second wave of elemental championships with unique prizes, and people pre-registered for those with the assumption they'd be getting something new. Like, I, I hate to be a bit negative, but you, you've sort of lost a bit of trust when you say you're going to get exclusive prizes because you haven't delivered on that promise once already this year. And you do have to think that you can't keep saying, oh, we'll get you something interesting when... You know, I mean, we, we could take bets on this. I want to be optimistic and I'm going to say they're going to have some great stuff, but also I just want to ask that question. You know, if it turns up on the day and this just has grand Kotai prizes that we've had for the last 12 months or something, um, probably like 10 months by August, you know, how are people who've pre-registered and make travel plans going to feel if they were promised something different? So, you know, if FFG is listening, we hope they are, uh, you need to make sure you're following through on those sorts of things so that people who have pre-registered don't feel let down at the last minute um, because they want to go and they want to play, but they, they have a question mark over you now. Yeah. And this is something, I guess, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, too. I just also added it to the end of our thing, because we've been, uh, been talking about it a little bit. We have to, we have to talk about uh, FFG and their distribution. But first, let's go to our weekly, or in this case, our case, bi-weekly recap. Seattle and Birmingham. Two grand co-ties happened at the same weekend. One of us was present. The other one, well, I went to an anime convention with my niece and nephew. They had a good time. <laughs> So let's, the interesting thing about these two, of course, is that um, Seattle was current meta, Crane Pack legal, mm -hmm. and of course Birmingham was old meta, Crane Pack legal. Now, keeping that in mind as we talk about what clans made the top 16, so there was a top uh, 32 with a playing round. So the top 16 was, of course, a winning crab, top two Crane, uh, top four Crane Lion, um, and top eight Phoenix Crab, Unicorn, Unicorn. Mm -hmm. So that's, in the top eight itself, two Unicorns, two Cranes, a Phoenix, a Lion, uh and two crab, yeah, right? And you're referring, you're referring to Birmingham right now, right? I am, okay. yes. Um, so this is what I was at, you know, high level of play, interesting better. You didn't need the crane pack to make the game interesting. It was competitive, it was interesting. Dragon weren't as strong as I would have liked them to be. I kind of tanked on the first day, went 1-2, dropped, went to play Keyforge. Second day went 4-2, that's fine. Um, lost a key game to a, my own personal mistake with waiting hostilities, which is foolish, but what could you do? Um, but generally, you know, it was a great time. Lots of players, like 120, 130 players, both days, having a great time. Very, very good high quality mm. of FFR. Um, Interesting things to call note to is, of course, that it was won by a crab deck that is kind of the same as <laughs> crab decks have been. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to hold you right there. Is it interesting to say that crab won again? Is that really interesting? <laughs> it, it is interesting because they, they seem to maintain a steady power level um, regardless of what else is going on in the meta because they just have so many value cards when their guys don't go away and they can make maximum use of spike loss. But then, of course, all of this just implies that when the next restricted list comes, which was supposed to be early June or July, um, you know, 
maybe reprieve will get restricted maybe spyglass will get restricted since crab used that and i think hmt don't um ironbind's already on there what else might you restrict kind no. watch commander we talked about this before, but Crab's in an interesting situation of people would love to see these guys nerfed or hit in some way, but you look at their cards, so like, what would you take away? Like, what one thing could you take away and not have the deck, like, completely collapse on itself? Maybe Fight On, because they didn't actually have that for, like, most of the last two years, but, um... Yeah, but they don't need Fight On. I think you take away Spyglass, you take away Watch Commander, maybe. Yeah, but then I, then I wonder if, like, you take away these options or you reduce them to some nature and the decks just become drastically less efficient than they were before to the point of, would they be unplayably bad? I don't know. This is kind of the same situation we talked about with Phoenix, where you know Tadaka is an issue, and they have like restricted and nerfed Tadaka. But if they take Tadaka away completely, uh, if, sure, the, the deck is basically still what it was. It's lost a couple of steps, and not quite as dominant as it was. That being said, yeah, if you take Tadaka away from the deck, what all do they have? And they do have options, and it's, it's kind of weird because they generate so much card draw. They have so many other options. Ujina is a kind of a nightmare to deal with and stuff. However, they seem to hard collapse without these really powerful options. Well. I think that everyone will find a way to adapt, right? I mean, Dragon has had its deck affected and nerfed at every single opportunity, and it's weaker now, but we've we've lost the deck that we were playing a year ago. Crab still have theirs, and it's still kicking our teeth in with Karada District and its kills and its uh, ability to outlast us. So, you know, if Dragon are going to get nerfed into the ground with... And think about it, right? Miramoto's Fury, Pathfinder's Blade, Policy Debate Charge, Dragon was playing all of those, add in Nitenmaster, Master, add in an Errata for um, Restoration of Balance... You know, at every single turn, Dragon is getting knocked back. Void Fist as well. So, you know, and all of these things are justified because all of those interactions, like Nita Master and Pathfinder's Blade, you know, were, I would say, a bit overpowered, maybe a bit sort of negative for the opponents. But the fact is, is that if you've got one deck from that meta which is being touched and being affected heavily, and you've got another one that isn't being affected a lot, you do have to ask the question, well, Crab keep winning with no new cards, then clearly Crab do need affecting. And I mean, Crane are doing well having lost Steward of Law because Crane have some great players. Um, not necessarily that they're strong as they used to be. Lion are doing reasonably well sometimes. Yeah, of particular no, uh, Eric Balhus, the uh, Shogun from the Netherlands, he went to Birmingham and he got uh, second place with the event. And that's like, so we all know that Eric's a strong player. He doesn't have to prove himself in that nature. But he went there with no cream pack uh, legal and steward of law on the restricted list. So uh, many points against him, but he still uh, had a very, very strong performance. Well, Crane is still strong without Steward of Law. I mean, it still has tools, it still has its Noble Sacrifices, it's for Shames, it still has a lot of very efficient cards. You know, it's it's lost one, but that doesn't mean that Crane is bad. In the same way that if Crab lost Spyglass, it wouldn't suddenly be terrible. Um, if Crab lost access to either Reprieve or Iron Minds, it wouldn't be bad. It would just have to be different, maybe a bit weaker, but maybe that would give other clans a chance. The good thing to see is two Unicorn in the top eight, because everyone has been talking about the resurgence of Unicorn, and they kind of do deserve it a bit, but my province, I had three provinces broken by Unicorn on turn one. It doesn't feel good. Um, you know, the, the question is how regularly can they do that, or is it a high roll? Um, I think the numbers are still out on that, but, you know, if, if they consistently start breaking three provinces every game, then Unicorn's going to be next up on the nerf, the nerf plat, uh, plate. plate. We'll call it the nerf plate. It is kind of interesting, especially since we just had, so recently we just had the Unicorn pack come out, we had the Crane pack come out, and I don't think that Unicorn got the same amount of oomph that Crane did, uh, which is a bit upsetting because, you know, Unicorn has started with such a low position when the game came out, and they've had some, like, very pushed cards to come in very early, especially near the end of the cycle last year, and uh, Shits and Empire gave some good toys and stuff, but, uh, you know... I was not very excited with much of what I've seen from the Unicorn Clan pack. I've not seen uh, many of those cards circulate a lot into the various Unicorn packs or be splashed. You see some trolley like Sand Road cards, you know, and all that card has ever done is like give the uh, the uh, Jagoku people, uh, you know, nightmares. 
That's no, no, I, I'm going to disagree on, disagree with you on this. So if we look at the unicorn, he's the most radialist from Birmingham. We see in the provinces, Kans Ordu, which is from the clan pack. We see Shinjo Trailblazer, clan pack. We see Ayuchi Dayu, clan pack. Um, Moto Chagatai as well, clan pack. So we're up to uh, 12 cards already. Three curved blades, clan pack as well. Shinjo Abisha was in the clan pack too. No, that's Children of the Empire. Okay, so not that one. Challenge of the Fields was Children of the Empire. Uh, Spoils of War was in the clan pack. So we're up to at least um, 15 cards. So I think that's that's actually pretty decent. Um, okay. Well, so, I'll, I'll, so I'll grant you we haven't seen Unicorn cards. I think the reason that they have not like registered with me is because I've not really seen a change in their game plan or the, their methods of attack or anything like that. My Unicorn game uh, has just been pretty much similar to how it's always been. And it's easier, if anything. And I'm not even running Guest of Honor anymore. Yes, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that, that it hasn't changed a lot, but that's because, but it has gotten more efficient, um, which is something you notice, like Curve Blade is a better fine katana when you're attacking. Um, they are much better at breaking multiple provinces in one turn. Um, a lot of people in Birmingham, myself included, did start um, to, in the, in the second day of Grinders, did start to put uh, things like Waiting Hostilities into their deck to hold them off. Because obviously, if you're Waiting Hostilities on turn one, they, they suddenly can't charge all over you. So um, I definitely know a few people were taking quite hard against Unicorn because we had, I think, 24 Unicorn there, only 14 of any other clan. So, um, you know, it was quite heavily to Unicorn as well. I do recall that as we were on this podcast, as we were like discussing new cards, especially looking over unicorn cards, my eyes just started glazing over and I just became so uninterested of these unicorn cards because it's like, oh, they're all kind of like slight variations of the same thing they're already doing and they're not really doing anything um, new or interesting. I think the biggest uh, combination of this one was actually the new stronghold, uh, Shiro Shinjo, or Shishi is possibly called, which has done absolutely nothing. Like people have played around and you can actually do it. Uh, I've played around with myself when we, uh, we were testing at my uh, store. Um, you can make a deck that... Uh, flips all your opponent's promises, turn one. You know, you don't need to use the creepy deer thing that's proven to be completely worthless, by the way, so I won that conversation. Uh, <laughs> I, had, um, I had it played against me. It was but, uh, yeah, you can have this uh, a deck that like flips all your opponent's promises, delays for several rounds, and it just generate piles and piles and piles of cash, and then do nothing with it because you just look down and you have all these really crappy purple cards to buy that's not worth buying anything on the board. You know, like, oh, I bought a crap unicorn card with 25 fate, and it helped me lose the game faster, you know? Look, look, right, you're getting prejudiced now. The purple cards are perfectly fine. Um, Shiro Shinjo just suffers from not being as aggressive in a meta where being the main aggro deck is very rewarding. Like, if you're unicorn and you can smash people with HMT before they have a chance to set up their towers and things like that, you can win. You don't, like, you don't want, as unicorn, when you have that option, to be getting involved in the high fate towers game because, well, to be frank, the other clans... Like, when, when you have a clan that just has towers and doesn't have the aggro side, they have a lot more tower options and things to do with them. Whereas if you have a very strong aggro side, you can harness that. So that's that's why it's being so popular. Yeah, there, there really isn't that much going on on the unicorn side that really benefits from having that long-term game that crab does and you can try i've seen some people and myself have tried like oh let's just sl uh, splash uh crab again um what's that uh watch commanders because that benefits from being on the board as long as humanly possible and stuff and it's just nothing's happening with that thing yeah i mean well they do have spyglass they can splash crab for watch commander um there are ways to make it work it's more just when you have that aggro option it's so much help. It's so much better to just charge in and try and take what you can. Of course, did you run out of steam and just fall flat on their face when they played all their cards, which is one way to beat them, and it's quite fun. Um, so yeah, that was Birmingham. I don't really know much about what happened at Seattle. Well, there's not much to talk about Seattle other than like, we have very similar. It's uh, more. Uh, well, this is uh, prejudiced of me to talk about being an American stuff, but I see a lot more familiar names over here on the American side. But I would, wouldn't I? You know, we've got uh, Neil Sethrim, whose mind's desire. Uh, he got second place. I do not know who Kevin Ho is, who ended up winning the event with uh, Scorpion, but um, I believe I've seen his name floating around stuff. But you see some all I see some uh, Travis McDaniel, Jeremy Campshire is floating around. Uh, uh, same thing we're seeing. Uh, very 
uh, diverse field. The game is very balanced. As much as we're talking about like balancing and restricting cards and people who's getting promoted, we're still seeing um, the healthy spread of cards. You know, Lion and Unicorn still kind of underperforming and stuff, but not terribly so. I mean, we've got uh, one, two, three, four, four cranes get into the top 16 and only one of them make it to the top eight and he doesn't even get to the top four. So uh, I will say that we talked about how Dragon got hit by the uh, nerf bat a few times. They're kind of like really not in a good position right now, at least especially compared to where they used to be. Scorpion has gotten touched by the restricted list every single time it has been updated, and they have not lost a step at all. Because once again, we have Kevin Ho win Seattle Grand Kotai with Scorpion. But when you're given that much power at the start, it doesn't matter how many times you get hit with the nerf bat, you're still going to be coming in strong. I and mean, we're, we're about to move on, shift topics, but uh, something to keep in mind is one of the reasons Scorpion do so much uh, is because attachment hate is a very strong um aspect of the game and so is being able to control people's honor and that dual pressure uh, really are the hallmarks of the all-time great decks right now and scorpions has a lot of stuff that they want to do for an effective game plan natively built into it so i'm seeing the most like experimentation and like wackadoo options coming out of scorpion like what i said before when you sit down with a scorpion deck and playing a game you don't know exactly what you're dealing with until like you're all halfway down their own game plan you know um, you don't know their splash, you don't know the makeup of their cards and stuff. Crab, Crab on like the back of my hand it's the same matchup it's been for like the last two years. Even Crane is kind of like settled down on kind of like what our standard issue deck is with a little bit of flex and stuff. You never know what you're doing getting with Scorpion. Uh, true, yeah. I mean, you do know if you're playing in London because they all love their double sacrifices, but that's another story entirely. <laughs> Real quick, let's see. Season 14 has wrapped up uh, for on the Discord League. Uh, season 16, the group stage has ended. Um, who won season 14? Do we have that information handy? Yeah, so let's just have a bit of a shout-out. So the overall cup uh, champion was Amanas PL. Um, not a name I'm familiar with, but a Scorpion player. Uh, the, the amateur cup bracket winner was Kitsuki Neo Joko. Or Neo Joko. Uh, let's try and get that right. Uh, so congratulations to both of them. Uh, and of course, I want to mention Kitsuki Neo, Neo Joko again um, in Season 16, uh, because I want to give a shout-out to Pod 16 um, in Season 16, because they are the only pod that has had no drops. Uh, and of course, uh, Neo Joko and... Akakus, um, who I know because he plays in London, uh, both finished at that pod 6-1 and arguably have the best claim to have gone 6-1 uh, than anyone else who has gone with that record in pods where there have been drops. Not that it's their fault, of course, but, you know, it's good that there has been at least one pod where someone has had to fight through all their games to come out with a winning record. And then, of course, Season 15, um, we're still working on. Uh, we are coming out to our sort of final bracket, which currently is Bill Curtis Army, um, who may or may not be playing his aggressive charge version of Phoenix. He is. Uh, my ancestor strength, strength in numbers, spice at core. The very spicy uh, Lion's Splash uh, Phoenix deck. And he will be going up against the winner of the game between Demagogue playing Unicorn, uh, HMT, uh, Crane Splash. No, wait, wait, this is interesting. So against a Unicorn player playing Golden Plains Outpost, uh, Crane Splash, yeah, Crane Splash Battle Maiden Control something. Uh, this deck is a bit mad, right? So it's got like Yutaku Yumino in, the one that discards cards to get plus two, plus two. Um, it's got Honest Challenger in, the dual one. It's got Court Games. It's got Policy Debate as its restricted card. Uh, Voice of Honor, above question, times three. Uh, Duelist Training. So it looks like some sort of dueling unicorn deck which has been doing quite well because it's in the top eight of the uh of season 15 of the discord league so i need to watch i need to watch that match and figure out how the hell he's playing because it's a bit mad and he's up against uh dai doji mika who is running a fairly standard sort of cranish build with um a bit of dueling a little bit of control you know yeah he's running cute kikita so he's running like yuri and toshimoko and things um and he is running um no, he's not running any other duels. He's running duelist training. So enough enough to turn on Kikita, um, Kikita, but not enough to be considered a proper like 
Yeah, I'm not even looking at the list right now. I bet you can guess like 90% of this list right now. <laughs> that'll be exciting anyway. I have to say that it's good that Discord Elite isn't like mirroring the Kota we've just had where there's like a crab final. Uh, Phoenix versus Unicorn would certainly be spicy. Um, uh, Phoenix versus Crane would also be good. Um, yet again, just sort of illustrating my point that the majority of clans are actually balanced at the moment, which is good. Um, you know, Dragon got knocked out fairly early to the point where as far as I know, I am the top dragon in season 15, Ooh. and I got knocked out in the top 32, so I'm not really going to be, you know, like, super happy of being the top dragon, um, <laughs> given that everyone else got knocked out before me. <laughs> Fair, you know, what, what, what can you do? Should have stayed in the amateur league, son. <laughs> well, I did get to the amateur league. I did quite well. I made it into the real, real big boy league. <laughs> so, yeah, that's something that's the Discord league. It continues to be exciting. There continues to be tons of games streamed. I just certainly, I'm slacking on streaming games at the moment, so I need to get back to doing some, but... You know, there's always something to watch, which is great. Uh, but of course, we also have the Discord World Cup starting soon. Um, so the deck lists were submitted yesterday. There are, I think, 19 teams submitted um, from all across the world, including an unlikely partnership between Hungary and Singapore, because neither country had enough people to field a team. Um, and by the rules of the Discord League, if you can find another country that's willing to double up with you, you are actually able to field a, a joint team between two countries, uh, regardless of where you are in the world. So good luck to Hungary and Singapore. It is always interesting for this uh, with these, this World Cup where you have some countries that are so big that we're having, like, America has these uh, this filtering system where we're trying to distill what we can get uh, enough players to field all the slots, where it's like, oh, what, what's, the, what's the Portuguese team going to do? Why am I picking up Portugal today? <laughs> uh, I don't know, mate. Um, it, it, it is a bit strange, you know, that the UK can have four teams if it wants to, and the USA only gets one. But equally, it is a World Cup. We are playing country versus country, um, you know, and I think it's only fair that each country represents itself. So, I mean, for instance, Ireland, I don't know if Ireland has submitted a team. Scotland was going to submit a team. Wales has submitted a team. England has submitted a team. Um, so the British Isles will be heavily represented. The only other interesting team I really do want to call out, because I just keep being pleased by it's in there, is that there is, of course, a First Nations team from the American continent. Um, I don't know where all of them come from, but I think they have at least one Canadian player. Um, they have some from the US. I think they might have someone from Mexico. So, um, you know, fair play to them for getting a team together as well, because everyone deserves representation. We are quite excited about that. So Discord World Cup, a lot of it will be streamed. It is considered a very, you know, not super competitive, because not every country puts forward, like, amazing, like, you know, world championship winning players but certainly very good for bragging rights and very good watching uh the format is seven versus seven so one player for each clan um play against one player from another clan or maybe the same clan however the randomness is done um and it'll be whoever wins the most games out of the seven total um wins the wins the day so you know seven games from each country plenty of time to turn it around i'm sure a few of them will be streamed um so main topics then for this So firstly, you wanted to talk about some crane cards you were given. Yes, uh, because, uh, not to uh, humble brag, but I am the owner-operator of www.homeofthecraneclan.com, which is one of the old forums from the old game that I've kept alive uh, moving to this game. And as such, I sometimes get uh, promos from Fantasy Flight to share with everyone. So, real quick, uh, just to mention, we got the first off, we get this courtier, the sententious poet. Uh, three cost, one military, three political, two glory courtier. Reaction after your opponent spends fate to play a card during a conflict in which this character is participating, gain one fate. Uh, nothing 
interesting, very solid stat line. Uh, it's a very, it's a very good card that unfortunately doesn't quite make the cut in a world where you're trying to fill your deck full of great cards. Economy is cool, and you get a couple of things. Like that. There's some cheat things if you have a few more cheat options. I think there's something might be something interesting there. But as it is right now, you're not going to get too much out of it. Stuff. What I really want to talk about is the esteemed tea house. This is a holding has plus two profit strength. This is already pretty good. Uh, keyword tea house. That's important. Uh, action during a conflict in which you control a participating courtier, choose an attachment on the participating character. Return the attachment to its owner's hand. That player cannot play copies of that card until the end of phase. A um, couple of things I mentioned. First off, like these is examples of they said in this imperial or this inheritance cycle. I keep saying imperial uh, that they're going to be really pushing the courtier and the bushy keywords, and these are both indicators of what they're doing. Um, but also in a world of so let go is a very powerful card. We're just talking about, like, Scorpion can get away with all the kind of crazy shenanigans that they can do because they have calling in favors native in their clan. Attachment hate is a very, very, very critical part of this game, almost a warpingly so. Uh, so this esteemed tea house gives Crane a new option uh, to really control uh, the way attachments are played. You could use it on your opponent to take off a watch commander. You can't really use it on Reprieve or Spyglass because they're kind of already doing the damage once they come out. Um, or you can, if I ever get an air roll back, I could use it on uh, Mark of Shame if I splash Scorpion and put uh, attachments that I put on other characters Characters, pop those things back in my hand, or if I've got these dual decks that I'm running right now, any kind of like dualist training or other attachments that I want to like hold on to, I can just use this card to just pop these things back on and always got access to these attachments. Um, this is very good for Crane in general, uh, which has been obviously been getting a bunch of boosts ever since Children of the Empire. Talking again about the difference between uh, Unicorn and Crane, like Crane's been getting crazy cards, Unicorn's been getting kind of okay. But I also think <laughs> it's very indicative of oh, why would I be biased for Crane? Of course I am. Yes. Of course I am. <laughs> uh, but I think it's very indicative of seeing a trend of getting more attachment hate cards into to other clans so we're not seeing like uh, i think since the game came out uh dragon splash has been the hands down number one splash with three copies of let go there's a very important reason for that um many decks still have three mia mystics which we all recognize from the way the game came out like mia mystic is not a good card it is not good value however attachment hate is so vital in this game that you stuck two or three of them into your deck anyway just so it might go off you know in a world where we had previously we had uh, dragon building their towers and using reprieve to get them around. And now we have, we still have crab floating around. Uh, and they have, uh, you know, their spy glasses and their watch commanders and stuff. Unicorn is very tower based. So it's not like the spy glasses, their car. They've got Talisman of the Sun. They can just, uh, add another round into the game, which would be a very critical round. You know, you need to be able to control attachments to, uh, keep your head above water in this game and more options just adds more versatility to the decks. Yeah, no, I mean, that's for sure. I mean, there are some attachments it's not going to affect as much. For example, reprieve is unlikely to be attached during conflict mm -hmm. while this, um, um, all this holdings of the province. The part mm. I genuinely don't like about this this holding. Um, no, obviously, it's the dragon player attachment hate makes me unhappy because of how attachment focused my clan is. But specifically, you know, we'll talk about this a bit when we're talking about pack five and one card specifically. It's the difference between taxation and embargo effects and how they affect the feeling of playing a card game. So the reason that this holding is a bit painful isn't that it returns an attachment to my hand which can be a painful effect anyway because i have to pay for it it's the added line that says once it's returned i can't play another card with the same name for it so for example mm. if i had a dishonored character with a figure of jadon and you were going to noble sacrifice him my only defense against that to protect my tower which is kind of important and stop you getting a massive fate advantage is to have figure of jade on that character now if it didn't have that second line, you could return Figure of Jade to my hand, and I could have to make the decision whether it was important enough for me to respend that fate to attach it, still with a cost, I would have spent two fate just to put an attachment on a character and have it stay there, or not. But with the card as written, I don't have that choice, which means that you can remove my armor, and I have no recourse to it, which I think is quite dangerous, because this game rewards towers. And it rewards mm. towers in every clan, including Crane. And as we've seen with Phoenix, when you give a clan the ability to remove its opponent's towers through five fires, 
and it creates your Suga, you have Noble Sacrifice, your Suga to have Duel to the Death. When you give a clan the ability to remove its opponent's towers whilst protecting theirs, then you end up in a situation where things are quite dangerous and the environment risks becoming less fun. Because it's not fun to have cards in your hand that could answer a problem and not be able to play them. Right. Well, well. So we have to let's figure out how we're going to define fun because you're actually correct in that this thing can just take away the armor off of towers. Whether that is an unfun or I think it's a very intentional thing that this card and cards like it are trying to do. Only because so we have we have very few abilities to do targeted kill in this game. We've got you know cranes coming up with uh, again my dice is coming out, but you know no sacrifice and duel of the death are coming out. These things are supposed to kill characters. However, they also have very hefty, tricky kind of targeting windows. The Scorpion does the same thing with I Can Swim and some a handful of the other kill effects that exist in but the game. But remember, like, uh, what we're seeing with these kill effects is that they are consistently being played, right? They're consistently being played by the clans that are consistently winning Kotai's. And I have had many a tower noble sacrificed by Crane. Even in the past weekend, when I didn't get a finger of Jade out in time, my towers have been killed by Crane. And I can tell you, as a clan that does not have, really, an option to go wide like Unicorn does, because we don't... Like, our, our, our faction is based on long-term... Um, you know, benefits and things. The fact that you can kill my guys, you know, and remove their armor is just going to make things less pleasant for dragon players, you know, in general. And not to think about dragon, but, you know, there are a lot of nasty tricks that Crane have. I think embargo effects, guest of honor, gossip, and now this is actually less, you know, because we see with Tadaka, it's just not fun to play against. It's not fun to have a It's not fun to have a handful of cards that you can't play. Um, and my opponents have said the same thing when I've been playing that new Akono tutorial. I've just said, yeah, cool. I have the favor, so no more cards from your hand. They've been like, but, but I've got 10. Now, I can't do anything. I'm like, yeah, it feels really bad. So I will just like that. I will talk about it when we come to pack five because, you know, it's an interesting area, this idea of taxation versus embargo. Crane have a bit of both. And that is showing now in games where you're playing, you know, more events and having to discard more cards just to play them. Your opponent is discarding a card at random from your hand because their uh, Paragon of Grace is honored. You know, all of this stuff just starts to bleed. Um, but at least it still gives your opponent play around options. Whereas Guest of Honor oh. just said no. And that felt a lot well, worse. One thing I'll push back against is you're saying that uh, heavy attachments is like your clan's thing, or like towers are your clan's thing, which I don't know is necessarily true. And uh, I would even say that because right now, Crane have drastically changed how they're building decks to being not super towers like you'll see on a dragon or a crab, but kind of these mini towers. Um, and I wonder, like, I, I will grab that dragon having attachments, utilizing attachments is a very core theme that they're trying to do. But the super Voltron-y abominations that we're seeing, I'm not sure is necessarily... Um, quote unquote, until it wasn't like like it was a surprise, but I don't know, know if it was like a, a way, a direction. The when they they designed this game, it's still a very new game. How they wanted it to go, but also like compared to the old game, where let's say I had I wanted to heavily invest on a tower or a stack of characters in the old game, the risk I would have would be if that character dies, that whole stack goes away. We don't necessarily have that balancing factor. Well, we do with like the kill effects, but because the well, kill when they run out of fade, they go away. I think the main issue is that okay, I'm just speaking clearly as a dragon is that unlike crane i can't just honor my characters and have enough stats to compete with crab or unicorn or lion i have to build a character up to have the stats to compete with other people i you know stats win games i don't have abilities yet that win me games uh, i mean kitsuki investigator does right Sugu does but he requires stats like there's, a, there's too many cards that, that require stats to play and re reward being built up and the rest of the characters who have interesting abilities that work without stats just, just aren't big enough. Like, they're one-cost monks and they're things like that that I try to play with and they can't take a province by themselves. So, you know, mm -hmm. if Dragon want to go lower fate and all these things, then we need more abilities that are more impactful and don't don't check stats before they do stuff because the only way we're going to do those things that check stats versus crap, for example, is to beat them on stats. And the only way we can do that is by towering someone and using a stronghold to make them bigger because otherwise Cassandra's just going to kill you. Um, anyway, I don't want to get into that because that's a whole other discussion.
let's move on then. So there's been a lot of clan letters recently. Um, I'll confess I haven't read them um, yet, um, though I am aware that the Phoenix clan letter was given a choice. And there was a lot of discussion about why it was good that we got a choice and why we, we got a choice and no other Grand Kotai did. Um, personally, I think it was time in the story for a decision and it happened to coincide with the Grand Kotai. And they were like, well, we can just ask the players to decide this. Um, and that's good. Yeah, just let people know, so as if anyone who's listening to this does already know. But just in case, so um, prior to uh, the Grand Co-Ties that happened last week, uh, every clan, uh, once a day, every day for like a week, uh, FOG posted on the thing a letter from the clans uh, telling the players of the, of the various uh the play groups of the various clans, uh, what the, their clan's intentions are in concern of the sword Kunshu's, the essential sword of the Hantai, uh, that, uh, um, well, actually, I can't talk about that because spoilers happened. Read the last one played if you want to re- realize what the state of uh, the sword is itself. Um, but anyway, the purpose of the inheritance cycle, which is the theme of all the neutral packs that are coming out this year, are in concern of this, uh, who is going to become the custodian of the sword. Um, all the clans, well, okay, I will say all the clans want to do it because uh, very quickly uh, they've established that only three clans have a real viable option of actually gaining the, uh, the sword. It is the Scorpion, the Crane, and the Phoenix. All have the most political clout right now to potentially become the uh, custodians of the sword, and whoever has a sword will be able to present it to the Imperial heir when they become of age. Now, this is un- unofficial, what I'm about to say is, but it's speculated, especially when since the letters indicate uh, where the story... Try to da- dance around I th- the story. I don't, think so you you're gonna, I don't think you're going to get around the spoilers. I think we just talk about what was decided. Well, well all, all I will say is that um, there... Is, it, right now, it is unclear who is going. Which of the imperial heirs it is Hantai Satori or Hantai Datsetsu? One of those two may possibly become the actual emperor of Rokugan. And it is speculated. This is not official at all, but it is speculated that whoever uh, becomes the inheritor of Kunshu uh, when they present it to the heir, that clan may have more say into which of these two brothers actually becomes the emperor. So that's just a fan I mean, speculation. Yeah, so that's all quite interesting. But the, the so the decision that was given to the winner of the Birmingham Kotai was. Mm-hmm more of a phoenix decision um which is a bit strange because it was given to a non-phoenix player for the phoenix um if the phoenix had won that was the only way they could get to describe it for themselves it was basically there's a lot of elemental imbalance everyone knows it where am i sending my person to investigate and the decision was to send the person to investigate the phoenix lands or the rest of the empire and, and dave hoyland who won with crab chose the phoenix lands so that's where uh, the phoenix are going to be investigating I was going to say, it was, a, it was a vote at Birmingham, was it not? Because Tyler Parrott went on uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter and other social media and announced that uh, the deciding factor was a difference of one single vote, uh, whether to send them to either investigate uh, Otosan Uchi or to investigate the Phoenix Land. Uh, I'm going to plead ignorance on that. I thought the winner just got to decide. Um, I believe it was all the Phoenix that were present that day. Uh, did you make any vote for the dragon? No. Was that a vote uh, only no? only okay. the Phoenix became a story decision, which is probably why I don't know mm. what the exact process is. Well, you know that yeah, at Birmingham, at the uh, Grand Kotai there in the UK, uh, the Phoenix did get this decision, and they sent Asako Mezawa, uh, the uh, Inquisitor, who was actually introduced by uh, Robert Denton III uh, in his uh, Phoenix novella, which is the first novella that came out, um, that character is going to be going to the Phoenix land to investigate uh, if there's anything within the Phoenix that is causing this disruption, you know, on top of, like, you know, the Master of Wad who dropped the tsunami in the Crane Clan. Darn firebirds! But uh, the nature of the letters uh, is to... about that. <laughs> but I'm... Um, but the nature of the letters is to in- tell all the clans uh, what their intentions are. So... Let's see. Yeah, so... The, the... I mean, look, just go and read them if you think that's the sort of thing you're interested in. I mean... 
we could spend a whole episode going through them, but ultimately, it's really good. Uh, but I think the main thing that I want to call out is that it's really good that clans are being given these small decisions that will have mm. potentially bigger impacts on the story further down the line. Um, it is an LCG, so they're not going to happen straight away, but it is nice that they will just give this sort of decision to an event when it comes up at the right time, mm. and it gets people more engaged. Yeah, I'm hoping to see a lot more uh, story decisions um, coming. Uh, and, and just to put a seal on this button, uh, they've also previewed uh, Kanshu itself, which they previewed as a neutral card, but uh, it is implied that once uh, a custodian is decided, they're going to, it's going to be uh, clan-specific and coming into an upcoming pack. So Kanshu itself, it costs, its attachment costs two uh, fate, uh, plus two military, plus two political weapon, attached to a unique character you control, ancestral, restricted, um, attached character gains, action. During a conflict in which this character is participating, discard the Imperial Favor. Choose an event or attachment in your opponent's conflict discard pile. Play that card without paying its fate cost. Yep. So, that's pretty it's, uh, horrific. It's useful. Yeah. I'd put one of them in my current deck if I, if I become uh, the Inheritor. I mean, it's going to go to Scorpion again, right? I mean, they won the last one. They're going to win this one. They'll win every promo until they get nerfed into the ground with a baseball bat. Um, <laughs> which is how to deal with the Scorpion, by the way. If you find one in your house, kill it aggressively with uh, you know something long that keeps it far away from you. Um, <laughs> so... We were going to talk a little bit about um, pack five of the okay. Imperial Cycle, which was just spoiled. And then we'll talk a bit about sort of rotation, because that's been announced as well. Yep, yep, yep. Which is also quite exciting. So we've, got, we've still got a few more things to cover. Lots for this episode. Uh, <laughs> which, probably needs to, <laughs> which probably needs to be broken up into like two episodes, but, you know, we keep, we keep talking too much. 